Hi, I'm Marie. And I'm Emily. And we're registered dietitians who love to look at the research when it comes to all things diets and supplements. With years of working with professional and collegiate athletes, we've seen it all, and we're here to set the record straight. On this podcast, we break down popular diets and supplements to let you know what's legit and what's BS. Welcome back to RDs versus BS podcast. Today, we are talking about, is she an influencer, I guess? Yeah, she's... Two and a half million followers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, would, I would call that an influencer. Yeah, for sure. We are, yes, we are talking about an influencer in the nutrition space. Her social media name is Glucose Goddess. Her whole platform is dedicated to how you can manage your glucose, what foods you should be eating to manage your glucose. And so what we are going to be talking about today is, is what she says correct Does the science back it up? Should thinking about your glucose, if you do not have diabetes, be something that you worry about? We'll get into all that today. But as always, before we get into that, if you like our podcast, please be sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. And send us any topic suggestions by DMing us on our Instagram at rds underscore vs underscore bs underscore pod or a contact page from our website, rdsversusbs.com. And if you are interested in getting healthier this year without any dieting BS, without worrying about what your blood sugars are at every second of the day, we are both accepting one-on-one clients and you can learn more by contacting us under the work with us tab on our website, rdsversusbs.com. All right. Been a while since we've done this, but we are starting with a shit at the grocery store. Emily, what do you have for us today? Yes. Okay. So this was another listener submission and the listener submission was water kefir. So water kefir is kind of like kombucha, but different. So kefir, as you may know, is this like fermented milk drink. It's kind of like a thin yogurt. It's actually really tasty. Water kefir has nothing to do with that. So I don't know why that's what it's called. Like there's no dairy in it. There's no yogurt, but it is fermented. It's a carbonated fermented beverage, kind of like kombucha, but instead of fermenting tea using a scoby like you would with kombucha, water kefir is made by using something called water kefir grains and sugar water. So What are these water kefir grains? It's this type of grain-like culture of bacteria and yeast. Basically, you mix these things with sugar water, they ferment, and they make water kefir. So, you know, it's like kombucha in that it's fermented and has a lot of probiotics in it. It is interesting because I did think that water kefir was just a marketing tactic because I think kefir is, if you're searching for a probiotic drink, Keeper is a recognizable term. So I just assumed that it was a marketing tactic, mm-hmm. but it is interesting that it's not a marketing tactic. There is an actual grain that is based, it's basically like a quote unquote plant based kefir, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's interesting to know that there is actually something that they are fermenting. I kind of just thought it was a water that they added probiotics to and flavoring to and try to market it as some sort of kefir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the name's weird. It doesn't have anything to do with real kefir, but yeah. We find new products every day. 
We sure do. And are, you know, always grateful to our listeners who have, even during our big break this summer, continued to send us in stuff. So yeah, we're learning stuff as well. So keep those coming. Okay. Are we ready to get into Glucose Goddess? I am. And I'm going to let you introduce her because I do not want to touch that last I was about to say, (laughs) I do not speak French. She's French. And this name is beyond any, I can't, but I'll I'll try. So Glucose Goddess, I've heard of her a lot. People send me her Instagram posts all the time. They're, you know, very eye-catching. She has 2.5 million followers on Instagram. So like a a really wide-reaching audience. Um, Her name is Jessie in Bay with an accent on the E and that's the last time I'm gonna say it so we'll just refer to her as our glucose goddess or Jessie so who is she she's a French biochemist she's a New York Times best-selling author her tagline is sharing science to help you feel amazing her thing is basically managing glucose for non-diabetics. So saying people who don't have diabetes still need to worry about their glucose. And she has these steps that we'll talk about, like her method. And there's certain things that you have to do, to be honest, some of which is fairly decent and based in science and other is based in really bad science or not a whole lot of science. So Marie, do you want to get into her claims? Because there's a lot. Yes. Overarchingly, basically, she claims that glucose is an important measurement for your health, and it's something that you should be paying attention to, whether or not you have diabetes, pre-diabetes, or if you're within normal ranges for blood sugar. Uh, She claims that getting your glucose under control, no definition of that, can help with better mental health, sleep, higher energy, fewer cravings, slower aging process, lower chance of getting life-limiting diseases. She also claims that higher glucose uh, within the female body can lead to higher testosterone, and that leads to balding of the head, hair growth of the face, um, also could potentially roll into stuff like PCOS. Uh, She also has said that her hacks can, quote, reverse PCOS, which is problematic because there is nothing that we know of that can quote unquote reverse PCOS. There are certainly things that you can do for symptom management. We did an episode on PCOS. We have nothing that will just fix it or cure it, right? Probably my favorite thing that we found that she's claimed is that uh, she recently did an Instagram live with Mark Hyman. Why do we talk about this man so much on our podcast? He comes up at least in 20% (laughs) of the episodes. I know. It's... It's like he's got a little, like, he's got a little puppet strings for, like, all of these charlatans on Instagram. But, yeah, so she did a uh, Instagram Live with him, and she was telling people that glucose spikes will, quote-unquote, cook us from the inside, and then we die. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? What is she even referring to? Well, she doesn't have to be referring to anything. (laughs) Like, you can just make statements like that. I expect too much from people. I I have no idea. Cooks us from the inside. I mean, it's enough to catch someone's attention. If we're to give anything a BS stamp, it is that statement right there. <laughs> but yeah, so I just feel like overarchingly, broad claims, claims to be 
able to help with symptoms that I feel like are just integral in day-to-day life and being a human that all humans experience. So all humans will feel like, oh, well, you know, I could use better energy. I could use better sleep, whatever. And then sometimes it's like followed by these very hyperbolic statements and statements that sound very scary, right? Like nobody wants to get fried from the inside out, even though that doesn't mean anything. So really quickly, we're just going to talk through what is glucose? What are things that we look look at with glucose management? Because that's all important because she's going to bring that stuff up in her talking about what you should be tracking and monitoring and all that kind of stuff. Glucose. All right. Glucose. If you've heard of it, it was probably in relation to diabetes because it's very closely tied. So glucose is the same thing as blood sugar. When people refer to Oh, my blood sugar. In this case, that's what we're talking about. Glucose levels in the blood. And they typically rise after we eat carbohydrates. Specifically, if we eat something super sugary, it's a quick digesting carb. And that is what the glucose goddess is saying is so detrimental that can lead to all of these issues, right? Life-limiting diseases. So in diabetes, it is an issue because... When glucose gets too high for a person who has diabetes, one of two things are happening. We're not going to get super into it. There's type 1 and type 2 diabetes, but in either case, you know, the insulin is not quite working. And insulin is what helps take the glucose from our blood into our cells to store it. And if insulin isn't working properly or if we don't have enough insulin in our body, then our glucose levels stay really high and that can be dangerous. Okay, so that's glucose and that's insulin. And then the glucose goddess will also mention sometimes something called A1C, which is short for hemoglobin A1C, which is a test that measures your average blood sugar levels over the past three months. So if your blood sugar is typically higher than normal, your A1C is going to be higher. And this is something, again, very helpful in diabetes and people who have diabetes in knowing, okay, where has their blood sugar been the past three months? Um, For reference, a 5.7 A1C and below is ideal. Glucose goddess's whole thing is that this is important for all of us to know and for all of us to avoid having those spikes in glucose. And where this is important is if you go to her Instagram, this is what she's showing. So her she's best known for these videos that show if you eat a bagel by itself, this is what's happening to your blood glucose. And it'll show it go way up and then shoot way down. And it's, oh, look, it's in the dangerous zone. And then they'll say, oh, if you have a bagel and you add eggs, with your bagel, then look, the glucose spike isn't as bad and it's not as dangerous. So this is getting a little bit into the idea of glycemic index and why dietitians don't use the glycemic index that often. So what a glycemic index is, is essentially what she's trying to represent on these videos is how much your blood sugar will go up if you are completely fasted and then you eat one serving of any food. So mm-hmm. one serving of a bagel, how how much does your blood sugar raise by? How quickly does it come back down? One serving of an egg, a zucchini, a strawberry, a piece of meat, whatever it is. So there's a glycemic index and that is what that's measuring. And that's what she's referencing here. 
And she's essentially trying to tell us to avoid foods that have a high glycemic index that increase your blood sugar quickly, raise it high, and then bring it back down quickly. The problem with glycemic index and why dietitians really don't talk about it that often is that people so rarely eat one food at a time. So it is really a moot point if you have anything else in your system when you're eating a food. So back to that bagel example. Yeah, a a plain bagel when fasted will raise your blood sugar faster than a plain bagel with an egg on it. And most people are eating either a plain bagel with an egg or a plain bagel with butter or a plain bagel with peanut butter, or maybe they've had coffee and so they've got some liquids and that's going to change the rate of absorption. Maybe they're eating it an hour after they've eaten something else. Like so rarely in life are we just like waking up totally fasted, eating a food, and then our blood sugar is reacting. And even if you are, I could see somebody just grabbing a bagel, running out the door, eating it. Guess what? If you're somebody without diabetes, your body responds appropriately. And that is really what we're going to be mostly getting into today is, yes, your blood sugar goes up when you eat carbohydrates. That's normal. That is like how our body metabolizes carbs. You digest it, you absorb it, it goes through the liver, everything gets converted to glucose, it gets sent out in the blood, and then your body shoots out the appropriate amount of insulin to take that blood sugar and bring it into your cells. So it is not, it's a non-issue. Like your body literally is designed to be able to utilize or to absorb out of your blood what you need to take out of it. And it's only people with diabetes who have lost that ability to create the appropriate amount of insulin or the insulin that they do create doesn't work, that this is now an issue. Yeah. I don't even remember where we started. I think we talked about. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you bring up such a good point because I just get disappointed in her because she's a biochemist. Yet she says that all of, you know, the glucose spikes for non-diabetic people, that it's going to cause all of these things like inflammation, hormonal balance, glycation, which is what the cooking from the inside out, the hunger hormones dysregulated, like all of this stuff, but it's just simply not true. Like we don't have science to back it up. In general, excessive carbohydrate intake might eventually lead to insulin resistance, which is the type of type two diabetes, which is where you can still make insulin, but your body is resistant to it. That does happen. And we see that in people that consume excessively high carbohydrate diets. But again, there's a huge difference between, oh, I like, you know, a sweet treat as a snack every once in a while and excessive carbohydrate intake. And unfortunately, I feel like she's taken her brand and applied it to the group that is simply enjoying a sweet treat every once in a while and basically being like, sugar's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Making us scared to eat Mm -hmm. anything with sugar. So yeah, I wanted to get into her method because she lays it out very clearly on her website, on her Instagram, that these are things that everyone should follow in order to avoid these glucose spikes. And I wanted to go through them one by one and just briefly talk about our thoughts on them. So the first one we've kind of already been talking about, but she says to... Eat food in an order. Eat your veggies first, protein and fat second, starches and sugars last. 
Was she the first one that said this? Because I've heard this before. I don't know. I'm assuming not. But you've you've heard this before from like a, a diet perspective? I've heard all kinds of things of all sorts of orders you should be eating your foods in. Right. So what are your thoughts on eating food in an order? <sighs> it, it's going to the same place. Right. <laughs> it's not like you're eating the starches and then waiting two hours and then eating the rest of yeah. your meal. Like, it's all going in your stomach in the same 10-minute period. It doesn't matter. It's so true. The only thing I can think of here, like, and this is kind of like an old, old school dietitian thought, was that if you eat your vegetables first... I don't know. Personally, like when I save eating my vegetables to last, I don't eat as much because I'm already kind of full. I'm like, I don't really want these. But if I eat them first, then I tend to eat more. And then, you know, typically the protein and the starches, to me at least, that's a little more exciting, tastes better a lot of the time. And so I eat that and then I'm, you know, I got in more vegetables. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's a hard and fast rule for every single person in the world. Uh, my dad eats a salad last, which I think is psychotic. Like <laughs> literally eat a whole plate of spaghetti and meatballs and then save the salad for last where I'm like, a, I'm going to eat my least favorite thing first and save my favorite thing for last. But other than that, you're, it, it all is going to your stomach. It's not like the five to 10 minutes between eating your vegetables and eating starches and sugar is going to make a difference. I it's that seems kind of like gimmicky to me yeah and this goes back to the whole idea of like glycemic index goes right out the window as soon Mm -hmm. as you start adding any other food into the mix right and that's why you know we've said it before like when you're eating carbs it is typically best to pair it with a fat and a protein because it does slow down digest digestion and most of the time people are so you know we agree with that but Imagine, I don't know, it just seems borderlining on disordered eating of like, I have to eat my vegetables and then I eat the protein and then I eat the fat. And then it's like, can we just enjoy this meal? Is this really something to worry about? Okay. The second thing in her method is pretty similar, but eat sweets at the end of the meal instead of on their own as a snack. I mean, that makes sense, I guess. I, I get again it's the glycemic index situation like if you're eating the sweets with the rest of the meal the sugar is going to absorb slower versus if you were to eat it later as its own snack here's the thing yeah okay yes technically i can see how this could be a benefit but it's also like if we're talking about metabolic damage that we're trying to avoid down the road right like quote-unquote cooking ourselves from the inside out like A lot of what your risk for with type 2 diabetes has to do with excessive calorie intake and whether or not you eat the cake after the meal or two hours after the meal, if it's an excessive calorie and day after day after day after day, you're eating excessive calories. Like it just, it ultimately doesn't really matter. Like just don't, don't worry about it that much. So the next thing is, again, kind of similar to what we've been saying, but um, she recommends to eat a savory breakfast, not a sweet one. That's a generally good rule of thumb, like day to day, like just make sure you get a balanced breakfast. But if you want to brunch it up with some French toast, go for it. Go for it. 
Right. Like it's not going to cause your insides to be cooked from the inside out. The next one, only have fruit whole, never juiced or dried. I mean, okay, juicing fruit takes out the fiber, which technically if you just drank the juice and ate nothing else would cause a glucose spike. But again, who cares? Because if we're talking about non-diabetics, then we have a response. What's her deal with dried fruit? Because there's not the water's taken out? What's the issue there? Maybe, or maybe just because a lot of dried fruit is a bunch of sugar added. I don't know. But yeah, technically the dried fruit still has all the fiber in it. So, right. so that one was weird. The next one, oh, and we have a whole episode on this, drinking one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar diluted in a glass of water before eating anything, before eating a meal, before eating a snack. You always have to drink apple cider vinegar diluted in a glass of water. We've talked about this before, but there's like very, very minute amount of research that apple cider vinegar may help with glucose levels, but not enough to say you now have to have this three to five times a day before you eat anything. Like what? It's not even strong enough to like recommend to people in general. Like the research is, we need way more. And wasn't the whole thing with the apple cider vinegar is like, there is actually a lot of side effects if you consume too much of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like three to five times a day, like, yeah, you're just doing a teaspoon, but that adds up. And like, yeah. I feel like people are going to like start getting like stomach ulcers doing yeah, this. Not good. Not good. So that one. Yeah. Now we're getting, now we're getting weird. So, I mean, it's been kind of, it, we're getting weirder. So the next one, uh, so her recommendation is go for a 10 minute walk after lunch and dinner. In theory. Yeah. That's, you know, if you can, If you have time, like that would feel good, you know, get it going a little, but it doesn't come from a good place. Like I found things online saying that, I guess she has a book and in her book, she talks about once she had a cookie at work and to avoid the glucose spike, she went into the bathroom and started doing squats. Like, oh, this, we're getting into disordered eating territory where it's like, I can't eat a meal or can't eat a cookie without moving my body immediately after to burn up all of that glucose so I don't get a spike. Yeah. And it's just a complete distrust in your body's ability to do what it is designed to do when you eat stuff like cookies. If you have a cookie and your glucose raises a little bit, your body is designed to meet that glucose raise and take care of it. Like She's acting like any increase in glucose is terrible, like this terrible Mm -hmm. thing. Avoid it all. It's like, it is literally like how we get our energy. You have to have your glucose go up. And again, it's only in the context of, are you spiking it so high, so consistently that you are setting yourself up for some sort of metabolic condition down the road, which can happen. But again, we're talking about extremes or if you're somebody with diabetes and then like, yes, you would want to, you have to manage that glucose. But this takes me back to Lumen where it's like, you literally have to like micromanage what you're burning at every second of the day and like keep it within this wildly unrealistic range. 
that like your body's truly not actually supposed to even operate at. Like your body is supposed to have glucose spikes and glucose drops and glucose spikes and glucose drops. Are they supposed to be extreme spikes and extreme drops? No, but that is quite literally how we distribute energy throughout our body. And that's okay, right? It's not, it's, there's at no point should we be hiding in a bathroom doing squats <laughs> to avoid a glucose spike. This next one, <laughs> I unsurprisingly have a lot of issues. <laughs> okay, you read this one. Beware of all sugars, no matter the source, which totally negates everything else she said, this, like the whole, the whole rest of this list. <laughs> The fruit one, half fruit whole, never juiced or Exactly. Dried. Okay. Same amount of sugar in all of them. So you shouldn't, yeah, eat sweets at the end of the meal. Okay, what sweets am I allowed to eat at the end of a meal if I'm yeah. not allowed to eat any sweets? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. What sugars am I eating last in my order of foods if I'm supposed to be aware of all sugars, no matter the source? Uh-huh. It's, it's funny because at least she's not... I don't know, because there's a lot of rhetoric out there about, oh, if you're going to have sugar, it's got to be natural. It's got to be maple syrup. It's got to be agave, whatever. And we always talk about, like, carbs and sugars, they break down into the same thing. It doesn't matter. But she's taking it, like, to a whole different level and negating the things she's already said. I have, I'm too lazy to do this, but um, I can almost guarantee you I would put all of the money in my bank account on the line to guarantee you that she's got a cookbook and in that cookbook, she's got some sort of sugar as an ingredient. Well, she does have her book, The Glucose Goddess Method, your four-week guide to cutting cravings, getting your energy back and feeling amazing. So I think think your money is safe because I'm sure that that is in there. It's so frustrating. And again, it's frustrating for me in the same way that you were sort of introduced to her where you're like, oh, she's a biochemist. She should know what she's talking about. And I would have no issues with this if she was specifically speaking to people with diabetes and like, hey, let's this is ways to help manage because like this whole list minus the last couple like wackadoodle ones are things that we talk to people with diabetes about eating smaller amounts of carbohydrates more frequently throughout the day so that you don't spike going on a walk after you've consumed to like help with that digestive process, not relying on like overly sweet meals for an entire meal, right? Like these are things that, but so I'd be like, cool. Like this woman is helping people with diabetes understand their condition, but no, like that's not where she goes with it. She's like, Hey, general population, be afraid of sugar. Just thinking about, okay, if I was all in on this and I wanted to follow her method, it's just all this unnecessary worry and planning every time you eat anything. You know, while bits and pieces are true in ways, um, it's based on a whole idea that doesn't even exist, that we all need to be avoiding glucose spikes at all costs. But that's her method. And... Like, if we just stopped it at that, that'd be fine, whatever. Some things are better than others. Some of the things are just totally out there. But when you do a deeper dive into her Instagram, there are just things, you know, things she posts. There's just not good science behind it. And it's really scary for people. Like, I found one 
where it says what happens during a glucose or fructose spike, which glucose spike, that's a real thing. Fructose spike? No idea what what that even, like, that's not something we measure. Yeah, exactly. Because all sugars, glucose, fructose, and galactose, all of our simple sugars, all get converted into glucose in our liver before it hits the bloodstream. So, yeah, you can't have a fructose spike. No. So, as a biochemist, that's uh, not something you want to hear from a science person. But anyway... So she says, when we eat sugar and starch, but to a lesser extent, these are the things she says. So she has this picture of a cat laying upside down and it says our body puts on fat to protect us. That's so misleading. Your body does not immediately start making fat cells when your blood sugar goes up. That is so misleading. If you overconsume calories in the form of overconsuming anything including carbohydrates, you will slowly over time put on fat. But it's not an immediate direct response to eating a high-carbohydrate meal. Exactly. So, well, that's just one of six. So this Also, <laughs> hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. because Just because this woman's a biochemist, right? And so she's supposed to understand this stuff. Our body puts on fat to protect us. That's implying that, like... You're putting on fat to keep your body from spiking your glucose in the future. The amount of fat on your body has literally nothing to do with how high your glucose goes up when you consume a meal. It's not like getting fatter brings down that level of glucose. So that doesn't even make sense. Like, it's not true. But even if it was true, like, it it, it doesn't make sense. Crazy. So, yes. So that was that one. She also says our hunger hormones get dysregulated. That's the thing. Like people, people act like the hormone regulation is just this like on off switch or there's like only three buttons involved. Like it's a massively complex metabolic process. And yeah, over time, I'm just going to keep beating a dead horse. If you excessively consume carbohydrates over time, Yes, your hormones might get disrupted. But again, this is not just like one singular blood sugar spike is like wreaking havoc on your hormonal system. Yes. And that's, I think, the most important thing to note. One every once in a while, one every day, it's not going to do anything. And I will also remind everybody that like your blood sugar going up after you eat carbs is normal. Like, literally something is wrong with you and your metabolic process if it doesn't go up. Because, again, this is how we distribute energy. So when I'm saying over time, glucose spikes might cause issues, I'm talking about extremes and constant extremes over time. Not like, oh, I ate a normal balanced meal or even, oh, I ate a bagel and my blood sugar went up. Mm -hmm. And then I absorbed that blood sugar into my body cells because my insulin went up. Like, Your body is responding appropriately. You're not doing any metabolic damage. Right. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, this this post just has all of the bad things on it. It also says, our organs and skin age because of glycation. Again, it's not an on-off switch. It's not, oh, I ate a carb and now my body cells are getting glycated. This is extreme carbohydrate intake causing this damage over time. And this is not your body freaking burning itself from the inside out. 
because you ate a piece of cake at your birthday. This is, I've had poor eating habits, high carbohydrate consumption, high excessive calorie intake, high excessive carbohydrate intake for many, 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 many years, or I'm genetically predisposed for type 2 diabetes, your body weight and your carbohydrate consumption might have nothing to do with it. There are people that are within normal body weights and eat good balanced meals and have their entire life that develop type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. It's not like a one-to-one thing. Or you have type 1 diabetes and one day your pancreas just up and shit the bed and now you can't make insulin anymore, right? So to just blame it all on sugar and walk away from it with your hands up like, oh, I've saved the world. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, so the last thing we wanted to talk about was our thoughts on glucose monitors. Because for people with diabetes, they're very important, right? You need to know what level your glucose is at so you can take insulin. Or if you don't have enough glucose in your body, you can have some sugar that raises your blood sugar, all of that. But there's this idea that you know is kind of propagated by glucose goddess that if all of us were hooked up to a glucose monitor, that that would be helpful for us. And it's interesting that you brought up Lumen earlier, Marie, because that's exactly what I was thinking about when I was thinking about glucose monitors for non-diabetic people, because it, again, just feels like this micromanaging of our metabolism, that knowing this is going to somehow make us healthier which we've you know spent this whole episode explaining why that's not necessarily true, right? That you can't say, oh, if my glucose is high, that means that glycation is happening, inflammation is happening, my hormones are being disrupted. None of that is true. So again, like if you are concerned about your glucose, you can go to the doctor, they can give you tests, they can test your A1C, they can give you like fasted glucose tests to see if everything's working properly. And if your doctor says everything's working properly, then you're fine. And you don't have to worry about any of this stuff we talked about today or being on a glucose monitor. And glucose monitors are pretty invasive, right? They're, I right. know that they're trying to come up with ones that are not invasive, but it requires reading your I mean, you blood. Yeah, stick you have yourself. to stick yourself. Or people yeah. have the ones that are um, like electronic and they're always... I don't know how they work, but they're somehow getting access to your blood and they can constantly measure it and it's electronic, but like, whoa. You still have to, even the continuous ones, you like stick yourself and then it's kind of semi-permanent. They usually stay on for like three days to a week, but you're still putting a needle in yourself every single time. And this is something Seb, who, you know, he's a dietitian, but... He also is very into biohacking and stuff because he was on our on our episode with biohacking. And he's excited for when Apple Watches or any kind of watch can non-invasively read our glucose. And I'm thinking, like, I'm not that excited about it. Like, what, what are we going to do with that information? Freak out about it? And, you know? Also, how accurate can that possibly be? Like, it's already been proven and this is a whole tangent but like calorie counting on apple watches and like all that kind of stuff like how many calories you've burned in a day 
very proven to be wildly inaccurate. So that's honestly more dangerous, I feel like, because now people, at least with the glucose monitors that we have now, it's like, okay, this is validated. This is pretty much what your glucose probably is. You're freaking out about something you shouldn't be freaking out about, but at least what you're freaking out about is accurate. Like, how scary is it going to be if we have this, like, wildly inaccurate form of glucose monitoring, and now people are freaking out about stuff? Like, they're going to put themselves into, like, a hypoglycemic coma. Some people are like, that just means your blood sugar goes too low because people are freaking out about numbers that aren't even right. Mm -hmm. Not knowing what to do with the information. So Yeah. And that's another thing is, like... I feel like people aren't going to know how to know what's an appropriate range. And like, here's the thing. The the range that is appropriate is also time sensitive. So even if your blood glucose shoots up, if you get it back down within a normal range after 30 minutes, an hour, there's reference ranges, you're fine. That means your body's insulin has responded appropriately. So knowing what your glucose is at every second of the day, as soon after you've eaten a meal, it's like, calm down. It's fine. Like your body's fine. Your body's doing what it's supposed to do. Yep. And if you sub- if you feel like it might not be, then get it checked out by your doctor. What I take from all of this to like summarize, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know how. Like the important things to know, I think, is that if you don't have pre-diabetes or diabetes, everything's working fine. You don't have to worry about this. And for hunger purposes, like it's good to mix carbs with protein and fat to make your, you know, digestion slow and your fullness lasts a little longer. But as for all of these other things, I wouldn't worry about eating in order, about eating sweets at the end of the meal instead of on their own, about eating fruit whole. It's just those... It's too much. And I feel like all these things are very anecdotal, right? Like we don't have very solid evidence that any of these things are preventative towards type 2 diabetes down the road. But you know what is? (laughs) Very boring, right? If you have no concept of where to start, think about, uh, you can go to choosemyplate.gov. It is, generally speaking, half of your plate fruits and vegetables, quarter of your plate lean protein, and a quarter of your plate of starch or a whole grain. So, you know, just eating balanced meals, well-rounded meals, that is like a good, that it's mindless. I know this was so long ago. We talked with Dawn. This was our flexitarian diet. And I love, I like have stolen this term from her. And I'm sorry, Dawn, I've stolen this from you. Um, visual wisdom, like looking down at your plate. Do I have a lot of color? Do I have a protein? Do I have a starch? Do I have fruits and vegetables? If most of the time the answer to that is yes, and, and or you're doing your best to work towards that, like that's where to start. That's what to, that's what to focus on. That's what to like. If you're gonna use any energy to change your habits, focus on stuff like that. Not, oh my god, what is my blood glucose at this very second? See, I know we've gotten away from our alternate or. Yeah, our alternative section, because we were kind of saying the same thing over and over again, but that's very sound advice. So would you give glucose goddess the BS stamp? I will say yes, because of her more exaggerated claims, like as a brand, I'm going to say yes. 
I don't think that a lot of the stuff that she recommends is like, quote unquote, wrong. I think there is a time and place for some of that advice, like walking for 10 minutes after you've consumed a meal or focusing on high fibrous foods on your plate. Nothing wrong with that, but turning into hard and fast rules that you must follow. And then sort of as the list proceeded and it got crazier and crazier and then just some stuff that we found on her social media and stuff that we've heard her talk about in um, when she's talking with other practitioners, like that's where it starts to get out of the realm of like, okay, this is decent advice maybe for somebody with like diabetes or looking to make more healthful food choices on their plate or whatever into, okay, this is getting like out of what is like actually known to be true when it comes to like metabolic health and I hold her to a higher standard because she's a biochemist and she puts up a graphic of, oh, you spike your sugar and your hormones go right. It's like, you know how incredibly complicated metabolic processes are to know that that's not true. So for all the things that aren't BS, like her overall brand and some of the more extreme stuff that she puts out there, I am going to give her the BS stamp. Yeah, I totally agree. She knows better, but she's trying to keep it easy for the public. But like the public deserves better. Right. Yeah. Okay. So those are our thoughts on the glucose goddess. Thank you to our many listeners who reached out wanting an episode on her. Definitely a good one to look into. So we hope it was helpful. And if anyone has any questions suggestions, any topics that we haven't yet covered that you are interested in, you know how to reach out to us. Please do let us know. But until next time, I'm Emily. And I'm Marie. And don't let the BS get the best of you.